Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes, and I'm very glad you're with us today. My beloved friends, our guest today is your host. I hope you won't mind if we talk about something that's very important to me. Also, it's important to many of you, and I know this because it's something that a lot of you write to me about. There are many things about the world's most prominent religion that are frankly nonsensical. The more I've studied Christianity, and I started by majoring in it in college, frankly, the more I've studied it, the more I've wondered why the religion didn't fall apart a long time ago just from the sheer weight of its own inconsistencies. But frankly, that's not what we're going to talk about. That's a story for another day. And When we talk about having faith, I suppose people can have faith in anything, can't they? Even faith in a supposedly loving father who wants to watch his only begotten son being horribly murdered just so he can be willing to forgive all his other children just for being human. But that's not what we're going to talk about today either. We're going to talk about something that's really much more important. The religion that bears the name of Jesus and that claims to follow Jesus actually turns out after 2,000 years not to have been following Jesus at all. People have carried their Christian Bibles with them to church for Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and yet they never have studied the words of Jesus in those Gospels very closely. Instead, they've always assumed that what the churches have been telling them was the mission of Jesus actually was the mission of Jesus. Jesus came to save us from God's divine judgment for our sins, right? That's what Christianity tells us, so it must be right, right? But wait a minute. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to die for our sins. Has Christianity been lying to us for the past 2,000 years? My dear friends, I'm sorry to be the one to break this news to you, but apparently nobody in any Christian church that you or I ever have attended has ever thought to open and actually read his Christian Bible. This is Roberta Grimes, and I'm going to be telling you something today that's going to surprise you very much. This is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and please listen to this. These are the Lord's actual words. These words were spoken by Jesus himself. Jesus said, and I quote, For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son so that all will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. That's John five twenty two twenty three. 23. Did you hear that? Jesus specifically told us right in the Bible that God does not judge anyone. So saving us from God's judgment for our sins was not the reason why Jesus died on the cross. Actually, Jesus did choose to die on the cross, and I think I know why, and I'll talk about that for a moment. But just to be clear, Jesus couldn't come right out and say when he was on earth that God doesn't judge us because to speak against the teachings of Judaism when he was here was a capital crime, a capital crime. He could have been killed for saying that. 
There always were temple guards listening when Jesus was speaking, and that's why he used parables and various other verbal tricks to get his teachings across to his followers. And he got around that problem that time by saying that God had left all judgment up to Jesus, up to the Son instead. But those words are in the Bible. They've been there all this time. And yet we're told he died on the cross to save us from God's judgment for our sins. When it says right in the Bible, God doesn't judge us for our sins. It says that in the Bible. So on a different day with different temple guards, Jesus said, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's John twelve forty seven. Did you catch that? He expected his listeners who followed him from place to place to put his two statements together and conclude that therefore there's no judgment at all. And that, frankly, from the afterlife evidence is the truth. There is no judgment. Temple guards on that second day wouldn't put his two statements together and hear him say that there is no judgment. Well, wow, a very clever man is our beautiful, beautiful Jesus. For good measure, Jesus also told us we would ourselves be our own afterlife judge. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's Matthew 7, 1 to 2. Jesus told us so many glorious truths. But to learn all these truths for, from Jesus himself, you have to closely read the Gospels alone and apart from the rest of the Christian Bible. That's what Christians do not do. They read the whole Christian Bible together, and they, they judge Jesus by the rest of the Christian Bible. We must not do that. And that's why we are putting together teachingsbyjesus.com. It's almost finished. We expect the website to be up very shortly, probably by the time you're hearing these words. Christianity is grounded in ancient, fear-based ideas from Roman times. It's based as well in the Jewish religion and in the letters of Paul. Really, almost none of the Christian religion came from Jesus. And the ideas on which Christianity is based are often inconsistent and frankly, nonsensical. They require faith because they don't ring true in the way that you will see that the genuine teachings of Jesus really do ring true. Don't you think it's long past time for us to return to the hills of Galilee and meet the master there and sit at his feet and just open-heartedly listen to him? And let's begin by asking Jesus why he came to earth when he did. If it wasn't to save us from God's judgment for our sins, which clearly, of course, it wasn't why he came. He tells us right in his own gospels why he that that, that wasn't why he came. He tells us in the Bible that wasn't why he came. And those words have been there for 2000 years. Jesus, why? Why did you come? He says right in the Bible, he came as our teacher. In fact, all through the Gospels, people call him our teacher. And he spent almost 30 years studying us. Then he spent three years using what he knew is because he was. He did come indeed. He still is the actual son of God. He, he used what he knew as the son of God, plus what he learned during those 30 years of studying us. He learned all, used all of that 
You teach us. This is the part that Christians have missed, which frankly is everything. It should have made up our whole relationship with the genuine Jesus for all this time. It feels unbelievable to me that there are so many billions of Christians on earth, and they all love Jesus so much. They have made Jesus the most popular individual on earth, and that yet they have all together for all this time missed all of this. Jesus taught on earth for more than three years. Of course, a lot of what he taught has been, been it's gone. It's, it's, been, it's missing because we, he taught for all that time. He said so many things and it's not there. We'll never have it. It's not in, of course, in, in the Gospels because the, the Gospels were passed down for, for 60 years before they were written down. They, they played a loving game of telephone with, with, the, with, with the words but we have a lot, and, and I think we have enough to be able to put together pretty much most of what he taught um, because they were, they were very carefully nurtured as they were passed down from person to person for those 60-odd years before they were written down. All that we're leaving out of teachingsbyjesus.com is what the Council of Nicaea added to the four biblical Gospels in the year 325 and started to put together the religion of Christianity. Those later editions, I should say, are easy to spot. They added just words they wanted to put into Jesus's mouth. They were hoping that he had said these things. He didn't say them, so they just added them. Fear-based stuff, end-time stuff, judgment, church building, sheep and goats, divisive stuff. What they added is generally towards the back of each gospel. It's easy to distinguish and pluck right out. And what you have left? After two translations from Jesus spoke Aramaic, we were able to see what had been translated from Aramaic into Greek and then from Greek into English. And what we have left when we get rid of what they added is the beautiful wisdom of the greatest teacher who ever lived. He had to choose his words very carefully because, of course, there were temple guards always watching. They were always listening. But Jesus was born from the Godhead. He really was God on earth. And a horrific public death is part of his teaching mission. It was meant to teach us something very important. There was no other way to teach the crowds who were following him that they would, in fact, survive their deaths. The one thing that Jesus had been unable to convince his followers was true, was that they were eternal beings. Because back then, the Jews of his day, they they knew you don't survive. What they would do was to lay bodies of the newly dead in caves to decay away. And then when there were only bones remaining in those caves, they gathered up the bones of people and and they, they were you know, the separate bones of each person, and they put them in bone boxes. And that was what they were planning to do with Jesus' body after his crucifixion. They wrapped it up in what became the Shroud of Turin, which survives, and they covered his bloody face with what became the Sudarium of Oviedo, which was a face cloth. That survives, too. They laid his body in a cave so it could decay away. They knew we all die and decay away. He was going to decay, too. They thought they knew better than Jesus did. Oh, you can't fool us, Jesus. You're just going to decay. KOA too. But that was what Jesus decided to give them a demonstration about. Oh, we, we, 
he had the last laugh, didn't he? He decided he was going to die publicly and become demonstrably and, in fact, stone-cold dead. And then he was going to reanimate his dead body and rise from the dead. Ta-da! That Easter morning resurrection was going to be the greatest teacher's greatest lesson. And wow, did it ever work! Scientists tell us they could not duplicate the level of energy that Jesus used to reanimate his corpse. As that energy is revealed on the Shroud of Turin, they could not duplicate that amount of energy even today. Isn't that beautiful? The only problem is that, of course, those promoting the religion have altogether misinterpreted Jesus' resurrection and its purpose, just as scientists and religionists have pretty much misinterpreted everything. Jesus said, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's Matthew 5.17. So what did he mean when he said fulfill? He meant, get out your scissors, my brothers, because I am the culmination. You don't need the law and the prophets anymore. And also when he said that the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 40. And of course, the law and the prophets is what the Jews of his day called our entire Old Testament. When he said those things, what he really was saying was that Christians should not do, should not do what they do now and use the Old Testament to dilute the teachings, the sacred teachings of Jesus. No, instead, Jesus was saying that he was replacing the entire Old Testament with God's new law. Cut the entire Old Testament right out of your Christian Bible and simply listen to Jesus. And since the letters of Paul all came after Jesus, right there is another very good use for your scissors, isn't it? If you really want to follow Jesus, you should be reading only Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that's what teachingsbyjesus.com will be for to make it easy for you to simply spend time with Jesus without having to wonder what any other part of the Bible might have to say on any subject. None of that will matter to you. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's John fourteen six. It is not true that you have to be a Christian to get into the afterlife, because I can tell you right now that you don't. Remember, I'm an afterlife scholar, too, and my research confirms that everyone goes to the same afterlife. You don't even have to believe in God, but I can tell you that following just the teachings of Jesus, without the Old Testament or the teachings of Paul diluting, polluting what Jesus taught, makes it so much easier for you to make the absolute most of this lifetime. You can make this your last necessary earth lifetime, even if you are, you know, pretty old now. Oh, my dear friends, it is so much long past time for us to simply listen to Jesus. It is time at last for him to have his say after 2,000 years. And teachingsbyjesus.com is his say. 
as easy as possible for you to use. But since you will naturally have lots of assumptions in your mind carried over from the Christian religion, I urge you to let me know as you use the website whenever something confuses you. I expect that we'll be working on it for years, trying to make it ever simpler for you to use and to understand. And meanwhile, let's look at some of the especially wonderful things that Jesus taught. First, it's clear that Jesus knew 2,000 years ago the amazing powers of our minds. I've wondered whether this knowledge came directly from God, but it has to have come directly from God. There's no other conclusion that we can draw. Listen to this. Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. That's Mark eleven twenty-two to 24. And if that is not cutting-edge modern thinking, I don't know what else it could be. And here is something, I think, an even more perfectly modern understanding that each of us is a part of the one great consciousness that's all that exists. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That's Luke seventeen twenty to 21. The kingdom of God is within you, and you are part of the one great consciousness that's all that exists. And Jesus knew that, as certainly 2,000 years ago, as you and I can know it today. Incredible. Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4.24, amen to that. It is the spirit who gives life, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life, John six sixty three. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, my commandments. He's not talking there about the Ten Commandments. He has given us a whole new set of commandments. They're buried. None of this, I want to point out to you, is that none of this is taught to you by Christianity. Christianity has kept all of this away from us. If we grew up as Christians, if we have been Christians all our lives, Christianity teaches none of this. It is unbelievable to me, and I have, was a I was a devout Christian my whole life, and all of this was hidden from us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, and that is the Spirit of truth. He's talking here about the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you, John fourteen fifteen to 17. Of course, the religion calls this the Holy Spirit and something different from God, but we know God as the highest aspect of consciousness. 
the religion invented the notion of a trinity because trinities were, this is, this is, this is something which I think is kind of cute. In 325, when they invented Christianity, it was very much in vogue in that part of the world for there to be trinities. And so they invented a trinity. And in Egypt, there was Isis, Horus, and Osiris. And that's what they had. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that, it was a selling point, I think, for the Romans. When I was a child, I was reading the Bible cover to cover repeatedly. And one thing that struck me was the fact that Jesus really seemed to despise the clergy. I didn't understand what he was doing. I didn't understand that he was trying to do, to get do away with religions altogether. But he was way back then trying to teach us to relate to God directly and without religions. Believe it or not, Jesus was trying 2,000 years ago to do away with religions. We're going to actually begin to do that and get past religions finally. Here is just a sampling of what Jesus said. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. That makes sense. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. That's Matthew seven fifteen to 20. This is one that everybody knows. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log, the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck that's in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. That, that was his favorite word for the clergy of his day, hypocrite. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Luke six forty one forty two. 42. Beware of the scribes. That was the word for clergy in his day. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and cheap seats in the synagogues and places of honor at the banquets who devour widows' houses and for appearances' sake offer long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Mark twelve thirty-eight to 40. Woe to you, religious lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter and you hindered those who were entering. Entering into the kingdom, obviously. Luke eleven fifty two. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Matthew twenty three thirteen. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the traditions of men. He hated religious traditions. <laughs> Oh, I'll say this again. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Mark 7, 8 to 9. Why do you transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? You hypocrites! Where did Isaiah prophesy of you? This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the precepts of men. That's Matthew fifteen three to 9. As a child, I found this very hard to read. I don't know why. I don't know. It seems to me that more clergy should be more upset about this than they seem to be, even today. But I guess people get used to reading this. It's just, it's, it's difficult. But we're going to give 
Jesus has say, when you put it all together and you read it all and you don't turn away from it, it makes sense. And he is, we're, as I say, we're going to give him his say. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. So they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father, who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. All of that was Matthew 6, 1 to 6. Wow. Jesus really was insisting with every word he spoke that we really, truly listen to him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. That's John eight fifty one. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Luke 6.46, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Matthew 7.21, and when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about what we call heaven. He's talking about spiritual growth. And that becomes clear when you put it all together, which, you know, is reassuring. Everybody gets to go to heaven. But he's talking about spiritual growth, which to him, really, the the more you read, truly read the Gospels, that's what he's, what all the talk about this kingdom of heaven is about. That's what really matters. And and he, he says... If you want to know who I'm, who I'm represented, it, it, my teaching is not mine, he says, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. That's John seven sixteen to 17. I love that. He's telling us, just listen to what Jesus says, and we'll be able to tell whether or not he's speaking God's words. He also insists, Jesus insists that we not package his teachings with the Old Testament teachings of Judaism, which, of course, is precisely what Paul and the others actually did right after Jesus's death. That's what Christianity is. It's it's Jesus's teachings sandwiched in between Paul's letters and the Old Testament. That's why why Jesus said, no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. That's precisely what they did. They put his new wine into those old wineskins. And and of course, what happened is is exactly what he warned them would happen. And the wineskins burst, the wine pours out, the wineskins are ruined. He says, instead, people put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. That's Matthew nine sixteen to 17. He said, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Matthew thirteen fifty two. Keep his teachings separate. That's all he asks. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. That's Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I just love to hear Jesus talk. <laughs> yes, he spoke Aramaic. These words are in English, but still it feels like sitting right at his feet. And we'll close today with words that he spoke to thousands of people at once who all were gathered on a hillside just to hear him speak. Jesus is charismatic. He's extremely charismatic. Just be there with this charismatic young man who came to us directly from God. It's a hot day, but there's a little breeze and thousands of people are just listening. We can't get enough of him. Just, just sit there with all of them and listen to him. This is from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, but there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Accordingly, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, they have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed someone, has the power to throw that person into Gehenna. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are five sparrows not sold for two saria? That's like saying two pennies. And yet not one of them has gone unnoticed in the sight of God. But even the hairs of your head are all counted. Do not fear. You are more valuable than a great number of sparrows. Now, when they bring you before the synagogues and the officials and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, you there, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over the two of you? He said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one is affluent does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began thinking to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and I will store all my grain and my goods there. And I will say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years to come. Relax, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is demanded of you. And as for all that you have prepared, who will own it now? Such is the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich in relation to God. For this reason, I tell you, do not worry about your life as to what you are to eat, nor for your body as to what you are to wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, that they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds, and which of you by worrying can add a day to his lifespan? Therefore, if you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about the other things? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither labor nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not seek what 
are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. That's Luke 12, 2, 32, and this is one of my favorite passages. So in summary, my dear friends, Jesus makes everything so simple. He tells us that God doesn't judge us. He tells us that he didn't die for our sins. He had no need to die for our sins. He tells us that instead he came as our teacher, and he really is the greatest teacher who ever lived. And now, very soon, teachingsbyjesus.com will bring to you the beyond wonderful truths that Jesus taught. These truths have been hidden from you, hidden from you by the Christian religion for 2,000 years. I don't want to say it was deliberate, but they have been hidden from you for all this time. Jesus lives eternally. And he lives in these teachings, and these teachings are going to be available. They are available to you now. We have added nothing to them. We have taken out things that the Christian religion added to them, trying to obscure them. But they are available to you now. And you can learn from Jesus. You can sit at his feet as if you were listening to him 2,000 years ago, teaching you in your language what the truth is. And I cannot begin to tell you how beautiful it is to hear from Jesus what the truth is, directly from God. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so very glad you could be with us today. Please don't ever forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really understand the implications of that fact, it is going to change everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Craig Wilder. He will be with us for the third time. Craig is a parapsychology journalist, and he's host of the popular blog, The Wilder Psy, on the science of parapsychology, skepticism, and the psychics. Craig is a graduate of UC Berkeley, and he began his spiritual path during the New Age movement teaching and practicing psychic healing. He says he doesn't follow any particular teachings, but he explores a westernized mixture of science and spirituality. Craig's terrific book from England's esteemed and prestigious White Crow books is called Cy Wars. Um, (laughs) It's called Cy Wars, Ted, Wikipedia, and the Battle for the Internet. It was first published in 2013, and it's more recently out in a new edition. And he's the science editor for Paranormal Daily News, which can be found at paranormaldailynews.com. Please join us next week. And today our guest has been your host. Oh, my goodness. I always think you would rather hear from one of our wonderful friends in this work, but really... Our actual guest this week has been our dearly beloved and most treasured friend, Master Jesus, here to tell us some of what he has to share in the four biblical Gospels. I know there are other Gospels, and we looked at the possibility of expanding teachings by Jesus, but I have read all of the non-biblical Gospels. They don't add much. Teachingsbyjesus.com is designed for people who are Christian and who are being cheated 
Cheated is not the wrong word. Cheated is the correct word. They're being cheated of Jesus. If you are a Christian, Christianity is cheating you of Jesus, and you have a right to hear from Jesus too. Um, we're not. All we're doing is giving you Jesus as well. You can continue to be a Christian and and read um, also read what's on teachingsbyjesus.com. It's extraordinary that Jesus is the most famous person on earth, and he has been that for many years. What the Romans did 300 years after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, what they did was to appropriate his name and his fame, destroy his movement, add their dogmas to his name and his fame. And here, 1,700 years later, we are adding to Christianity his teachings. That's what we're doing with teachingsbyjesus.com. He is the most famous person on earth, but most people have no idea what he actually said. All we're trying to do is to give him back the right to teach people what he came to earth to teach them. That's what we're doing. We're trying to give him back his right. It is extraordinary to me what a modern man he is. He knows things 2,000 years ago that most people even today don't know. The only reason I know them is that I am an afterlife scholar as well, and I so therefore I know these things. It is absolutely amazing to me how much he knows. I have much more respect for Jesus now than I even had when I was simply studying the Gospels. <laughs> and if I didn't know all the things I know from being an afterlife scholar, I, I, I could not validate a lot of the things that he knows. It's just the most amazing thing. I cannot begin to tell you how much he astonishes me and how much more respect even now I have for him than I had when I was only studying him as a biblical scholar. He just knocks my socks off. And doing this work has been the greatest work of my life by far. Um, I have loved doing it. It has been such a privilege to do this work, to put this together for him. I have absolutely loved it. The website, teachingsbyjesus.com. It's free. It's a gift to you. But most of all, it is a gift to the greatest teacher who still lives. <laughs> it's Jesus's personal website, and it's meant to be just what he would have had if people had their own websites back in 28 CE. It's Certainly long past time for Jesus to have his say. <laughs> and now, of course, it's once again time to mention the fact that you truly are a powerful, eternal being, and it's impossible for you ever to die. Go to seekreality.com. You can begin today to learn that your reality really is an eternal reality. As you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, my Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught, and for young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus. If you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever podcasts are found. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful eternal being and you most of all in the entire universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. 
Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. 